everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the Word of the Lord. When you have Mark 11, 1, say amen. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a coat tied. And on this coat no man has ever sat. He said, Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. Say that with me. The Lord has need of it. Mm -hmm. And immediately he will send it here. So when they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside of the street, they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, why are you doing this? Why are you loosing the coat? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he, Jesus, sat on it. <clears throat> and many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed after cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. I want you to take your attention uh, and put it there on that third verse. He says, and if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Tell them the Lord has need of it. I want to preach a message for the next few moments as we conclude this Metron series simply entitle this message wanted look at somebody tell them you are wanted mm -hmm. yeah try the other neighbor that neighbor seemed presbyterian try the other neighbor tell your other neighbor say neighbor you are wanted yeah yeah that's better that's better let's pray for one another jesus give us the grace to preach the anointing that breaks the yoke the truth that sets the captive free May a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you rest upon the house. Humble myself before you, God. I give you my ear to speak to and my mouth to speak through. I pray, Lord, that in the hearing of the word today, the grace of the Holy Spirit would be administered and applied so that we are transformed from glory to glory. Minds be renewed now. Ha. Minds be renewed now in Jesus' name. Lord, it's the oil that makes the difference. So I pray for the oil to drip from my heart as I preach the word of God today. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Wanted, wanted. You can be seated. Hallelujah. We have been talking the last several weeks about the Metron, and I will remind you that every one of us in this room today have received a metron. Uh, we learned that in Romans 12, all of us have received a measure or a metron of faith. And then we went to Ephesians chapter 4 and discovered that 
according to the Apostle Paul, that when we were saved, all of us were given a measure or a metron of grace. And within that measure of grace that God has given to every single child of God, God put gifts within that measure with which we serve the king and advance the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? And as we come to the conclusion of this very important series that we've been teaching for the last several weeks, we turn our attention to this week, this final week of our Lord's life and ministerial career on planet Earth. Today, we call it Palm Sunday, and this day of Palm Sunday begins what we call the passion of Jesus. In fact, you will discover if you read the Gospels that the Gospel writers dedicate more time and attention to this part of Jesus' story than any other part of the gospel. Some don't even mention the birth. Uh, some do. Some mention various and different miracles that occurred in his life. But all of them, without question, turn their attention to this week of the passion of Jesus and spend up to one-third of the content of the gospels themselves on this week. His, his coronation, as we will look at in just a moment, his suffering, the betrayal, the crucifixion, the resurrection. We call this the week of passion. Some may wonder how I would conclude a series on serving and giftedness and metron and how we would connect that with this text that I read today from the Gospel of St. Mark. How does the metron have any connection with uh, the triumphant entry that we read about today? Uh, I will tell you that as you read the text, it becomes uh, obvious to me what God is saying to us from this text that I believe he's been saying for the last several weeks. And that is this, that every person in the kingdom of God has a role to play. Every person in this building, Athens, I hope you're listening to me today. Every person connected to this house has a metron, a measure, a gift, something with which God has enabled you to do that if you don't do it, it makes the rest of us miss something. I don't know about you, but I want all of my church family to be blessed. In order for you to be blessed, I need to be operating in my metron. In order for me to be blessed and everyone connected to you and sitting beside you, you need to be operating in your metron. I want to remind you that we are not simply Christians who consume Christianity. We are believers who invest our lives in making a difference in other people. You are the salt of the earth. I need some help here. You are the light of the world. All of us have been given the ministry of reconciliation whereby God cries through us be reconciled to me through my son Jesus all of us are to do the work of an evangelist because all of us uh, understand the value of souls and those who don't know Jesus we know and believe are going to hell I got good news for you nobody has to go to hell nobody has to die in their sins nobody has to live in misery I'm thankful today that because Jesus came, all of us, no matter how jacked up we used to be, can have eternal life and step into the purpose for which God called us to fulfill. If you believe it, say amen. And so as we will see from this text today, no matter how magnificent and amazing the plan and the purpose of God may be, 
it cannot be fulfilled without the faithfulness of even the most inconspicuous and seemingly unimportant characters doing what God has called them to do. The text I read to you today is often called the triumphant entry. It is the culmination of Jesus' ministry and the beginning of the last week of his earthly life. All that we read here in Mark chapter 10, 11 verses 1 through 10, all that we read uh, happened as he was approaching the city of Jerusalem. And he was preparing to give his life as a redeeming ransom for the whole world. This triumphant entry began the week of the passion of Jesus. And as I told you earlier, the Gospels spend more time talking about this week than any other chapter of our Lord's life. You will not read anything accidentally happening in this portion of Jesus' life. Nothing is coincidental. Nothing is circumstantially happening. Everything that you read about the life of Jesus in this last week of his life is done with great intentionality. It is done with great um, in, uh, precision. This event that we read about, this triumphant entry, was a, was a prophecy that was hundreds of years in fulfillment. This moment here in Mark chapter 11 was a fulfillment of one of the most important prophetic announcements made in the Old Testament regarding the coming Messiah. In 519 B.C., there was a prophet named Zechariah who grabbed a stylus and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote the prophecy of Zechariah. And in its ninth chapter and the ninth verse, he penned these words. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See that your king comes to you righteous and having salvation. Listen, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And 520 years after Zechariah penned those prophetic words, this scene here in Mark 11 is now unfolding just as the prophet said. If you look at Mark chapter 11, you have all of the necessary characters that are coming into place. First, in order for this to be a prophetic fulfillment of what the prophet Zechariah wrote, first of all, we got to have a king. How many know that when you read Mark chapter 11, the king is there? Uh, the king is there. The king is not coming. The king is already there. In fact, when he was born, the Magi called this man Jesus the king of the Jews. When he was living, Nathaniel came to him and said, Rabbi, you are the son of God. Behold, you are the king of Israel. When he was dying on the cross, the Roman soldiers were mocking him, but they were truthful in what they said. As they mocked him, they said, Behold, the king of the Jews. Paul looking back at him said in 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 15 he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And before the New Testament closes John the Revelator on an island called Patmos said that when he saw him in Revelation 19 verse 16 Paul said that listen to what Paul said he said out of his mouth went a sharp sword and with it he would smite the nations and rule them with a rod of iron. He said he would tread the wine press of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God verse 16 and on his vesture and on his thigh were written a name king of kings and lord of lords I want to announce if you don't know it already that the earth 
can already have joy. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. I'm not waiting on a king to rise up out of the Republican Party. I'm not waiting on a king to rise up out of the Democratic Party. I'm not waiting on a king to come prancing out of D.C. My king was not voted king. He was not appointed king. He was not elected king. My king was born the king. I want to announce and remind you today that he is still the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. Anybody glad that you're in love with the king this morning? Ah, Mark chapter 10, we have the king. Not only do we have the king, we have the crowd. In order for it to be a prophetic fulfillment, you've got to have an entourage coming through with you. And when you look at this crowd that's coming into the city of Jerusalem with the king, this is not the, the, the crowd that is loaded with all of the glitz and all of the glamour and all of the high-profile potentates of the day. This crowd is full of ex-convicts and ex-drug addicts. And this, 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 this crowd is full of ex-tax collectors and ex-blind men. Come on in here, somebody. I want to tell you that... The the crowd that's running with Jesus are never the ones that uh, that look wise in the world's eyes. But if if you look at the crowd that's running with Jesus, you will see Bartimaeus, who just a few hours earlier couldn't see, and now all of a sudden he has his sight. If you look at the crowd following Jesus, you see Zacchaeus. A few hours earlier, he was a thief and a rebel, but now he's redeemed and has given back his possession. I feel like preaching here a little bit today. I want to remind you that the crowd who runs with Jesus may not always look like the crowd that's got it together and they may not be what they're going to be but when you look at the crowd that's walking with Jesus they are never who they used to be I can testify like Paul I once was lost but now I'm found I was blind but because of Jesus I now can see you have the king and you have the crowd and not only do you have the king and the crowd, but you also have the crown that they're getting ready to give him. The Bible said that they're getting ready to tell him he's the king of kings and they're getting ready to call him Hosanna. And not only do you have the king and the crowd and the crown, but you also have the clothes that they're getting ready to throw on the ground and the clothing that they're getting ready to sit. But there's something missing in this grand prophetic uh, picture. And, and, and it's almost embarrassing to tell you what's missing. We have the king. We have the crowd. We have the crown. They're getting ready to call him Hosanna. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. They got the clothes, but we're missing one inconspicuous and seemingly unimportant character in this narrative. In order for the will of God to be done here, we're missing something. What are we missing? I'm glad you asked. We're missing the coat. You can have the king and the crowd. You can have the crown and the clothing, but if you don't have the coat, you can't see this thing come to pass. I want to preach for the balance of my time with you just for a few minutes today about what God wants in this hour. See, there's a king coming to every city in America. 
There's a king coming to every continent, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. There is a king that's coming. I wish I could find some help and I hope you understand what I'm saying. Jesus is making himself known in Africa. Jesus is making himself known in Asia. Jesus is making himself known in Australia. Jesus is making himself known. I just got back from Jerusalem a few months ago. Even in the city of Jerusalem, they don't know what to do with the messianic Jews who are having dreams about a man named Messiah and they can't, he can't I met David Safafa uh -huh. our church is supporting this messianic Jewish pastor in the city of Jerusalem he was a very successful lawyer and I got to meet him at our uh, pastor's um, uh, conference that we had and he told me his story of how Jesus came to him in a dream what nobody in his life who would preach Jesus to him Jesus loved him so much that it came to the young man in a dream this young man was one of the most successful uh, 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 lawyers in all of Israel he actually served as a lawyer for Bibi Netanyahu uh -huh. yeah, the one you read about and hear about on the news this was his lawyer and Jesus came to him in a dream he put his hand on his shoulders and said David I love you and I've got a plan for your life and he woke up from the dream and didn't even know how to pray a sinner's prayer he just gave his life to Jesus and since that day he began pastoring a church in the middle of COVID and we just sent him some resources two months ago and they bought more chairs because the church is exploding and they bought instruments because people are praising God in the downtown streets of Jerusalem you can't put the fire out baby you can try to hide it you can try to kill it you can try to conceal it but you can't get rid of Jesus Jesus is moving in all the nations oh God I better Jesus is moving and he's revealing himself. He's making himself known. In every nation, in every city, he's going to reveal himself. But there are some things you must understand about the revelation and the purpose and the plan of God coming to pass. It cannot happen as it's supposed to happen until the cult gets in its place. Now, I want to preach because somebody will take this little excerpt and they'll say, oh, Wallace is a heretic. He's saying God needs people. Let me tell you, God don't need nobody. He's immutable, which means he's God all by himself. Uh, you will never have to give him an Advil, a bear. Uh, you will never have to give him an aspirin or a Tylenol. You don't have to give him a Coca-Cola to pep him up. He doesn't have highs and lows and happy and sad. Oh, no, he's God all by himself. But I do want to tell you that God does create a plan in which he incorporates his children. And sometimes we use the sovereignty of God as an excuse not to get involved with the plan of God. Well, God's going to do whatever he wants to do. Oh, yes, he will. But God has chosen in his divine sovereignty to incorporate humanity. Redeemed humanity is used by God to bring great glory to the king. And so when you come to this text, you have the king, the crowd, the clothes, you have the crown. You have everything you need, but there's one thing missing. The cult. I want to preach today to the people in the room who feel like the little donkey. Don't embarrass them, Wallace. I'm not. I remember what it was like to feel like that cult. Tied up on the outside of the will of God. Wondering if I would be tied up all my life. I want to tell somebody in this room today as we talk about Metron for the final week that you have a purpose the enemy doesn't want you to know about. 
You are part of a plan of God in a way that your mind cannot even conceive. I want to tell you that God specializes in taking the foolish things. Uh, can you imagine that we're in here on Palm Sunday 2,000 years after the fact and we're preaching about a donkey? It's not just that it's a donkey. It's that the donkey had a divine purpose. And if you don't understand divine purpose, then you can see the thing happening, but not understand the role of the donkey in it. Let me put it in practical terms. If you don't understand the purposes of God, God's plan can actually be in motion and you think it's going to happen without you. What if God was waiting on the donkey to get in place? What if God were waiting on you to get in your seat, I'm not going to get no help here, and do what only you can do? How many have ever been to a symphony or an orchestra? Come on, lift your hand. Don't lie. You'll go to hell. L lift your hand. It's okay to go to the symphony. I've been to the symphony and the orchestra, and I've been to those uh, where they get into the crescendo. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And the overture. And they get into that, and that thing is moving, and the blood is, you know, your blood pressure's rising. You feel like you could, you're getting a fight with somebody. I mean, it's, it's a woo. It's getting high, and all of the trombones, and all of the, all of the brass, and all the drums, and everything's moving, and everything's going forward. It's growing and growing. And at the very end, there's this one dude who hasn't done anything the entire piece. And he's standing over in the corner with a triangle. And he hasn't done anything. He hasn't, he hasn't been activated at any moment. And you got this thing and everybody's blood pressure's rising. Everybody's all into the moment. And it's building, building, building. And all of a sudden it goes silent. And the dude with the triangle. Ding, and it's over. And had it not happened like that, it never would have been finished. And what I'm trying to tell you in this place is the enemy is telling you, you're, you're like the donkey. You got no name. You got no future. You're tied up. If God can't use you, look at you. You're just a donkey. You got stubbornness issues. You got a past. Nobody knows where you are. Nobody knows who you are. And you're just a donkey. And I came to say you're more than a donkey. You're actually a critical character in the prophetic purpose of God coming to pass in our generation. Somebody got to get motivated to, to stop coming to church and waiting on God to bless you. And you got to say, I can bring something to the table nobody else can bring. I got something happening in my life nobody understands. There's some people in here, you're too quiet for the kind of testimony God's given you. You need to start telling everybody in this city what God brought you out of. God is, God is waiting on somebody who's been tied up to get loose because if you ever get loose, everything can connected to you is about to get loosed as well. So he tells the two disciples, go into this city over against you. When you enter the city, you're going to find a donkey, a colt, tied up at a place where two places meet. At a door. Say a door. It's an okay translation, but the actual translation in the Greek is it's a gate. Literally, the donkey was tied up at the gate of the city. I found something out. God uses people who are in the middle of making two different decisions. The Bible says it's a place where two different places, two roads met. Isn't it funny how God will always give you an opportunity to decide the right way? Y'all missing what I'm talking about here. There's some people in this room tied up today and the enemy's got a path for you 
And God's got a path for you. God will never, listen to me, listen to me very carefully. God will never take away the different options because he wants to make sure that he's your choice. If God removed the other way and only gave you one decision, then it really wouldn't be love. It would be forced. But because you had a choice to be here today, he recognizes that you came here out of love. I can't find no help. Because you had two choices to choose from in life, some of you could have been billionaires and millionaires had you chosen that way. You're still going to be a millionaire. But God's just going to get the glory for it because God refuses to take away your options. God says, I'm going to let you have a choice. I'm going to find out who really wants to love me and maybe today you're tied up on the, on the gate of the city trying to decide which way you're going to go. Your future is not in staying bound and your future is not in choosing that way. Your future is in coming to the one who has a purpose and a plan for your life. It's time for the people of God to say I'm cutting bait with the past. I'm cutting bait with the, with the world. I'm leaving my old life behind. I'm going on with Jesus and if none go with me I'll be alright as long as I got Jesus he said go into the city and you're going to find this donkey this colt tied up I don't have time to preach this like I want to but the Bible see in, in Mark's gospel it talks about two in Luke's gospel it talks about one in Matthew's gospel it talks about two why it's the mother and her baby yeah, well, which one is it? Was it the mother or the baby? It was both. Read the prophecy. Here's the thing. God will never lose the younger generation without taking the old generation with it. Oh, Lord, if I go down this road, I'll preach to 12 o'clock this afternoon because we got churches that leave generations behind. Some churches go get the colt and some go get the mama. Some want the old folk with the money and some want the young crowd that jumps up and down. I want to tell you who I came for. I came for the crowd with the money and the old folk and I came from the young people that shout and dance and go crazy. We came for everybody in Cleveland. There's not one generation that God didn't come to save. And I need somebody to act like you're thankful that God is not choosing unigenerational churches. He's choosing churches with young and old, mothers and fathers fathers old men dreaming dreams young men seeing vision god give us a wake-up call slap somebody and tell your neighbor god's doing it in our generation uh -huh. i don't know what happened with the church he used to go to i don't even care i just came to tell you in this house there gonna be some gray hair some white hair some no hair some long hair some mohawk hair some colored hair you don't like it but i don't care what you like i say this is an all generational outpouring of the holy ghost god have your way And he said, when you see the coat, I want you to loose it and bring it to me. And when they ask you, when they ask you, why are you doing this? Tell him the Lord needs the coat. I could have understood if it was a white stallion. But a coat? A donkey? You mean a 520-year prophecy is held up over a donkey? Loose it and bring it to me. Touch your neighbor, tell him God's about to loose it. 
I am telling you and prophetically announcing to you right now that people that have a plan and a purpose are getting ready to get loosed and led into their divine purpose in God. There are too many Christians. I feel the Holy Ghost on my neck right now. There are too many Christians who are sitting in church, warming pews, waiting on the Lord to come and rescue them. And he ain't coming until we get activated and loosed and become everything he called us to be. You may not even understand your purpose completely, but I came to tell you when Jesus shows up in your life to loose you, you don't need to stay there and stay tied up. You say, Pastor, you don't know what's got me bound. I don't know what has you bound, but I know the one calling you is greater than the thing that has you bound. I'll touch somebody telling me you're about to get loose. Tell somebody next to you, you're about to get loose. God's about to loose you from religion. God's about to, he's about to loose you from dictions and bondages and yokes of oppression. And some of you are more addicted to depression than you are joy. It's getting ready to shift in this season. God is about to loose you. The king is coming to Cleveland. The, I didn't say another church. I said the king is going to show up in Cleveland. And you better understand that before he arrives, he's going to have a coat. He sat on a donkey. And the people said, why are you loosing him? And he said, tell him the Lord has need. It's going to blow your mind who God's getting ready to use in this hour. And religious people who think they own church members. The Bible called them owners. The owners said, uh, excuse me, what are you doing with the coat? And they looked at him and said, the Lord wants him. Look at somebody tell him you're wanted. Uh, come on, tell three people you're wanted, you're wanted, you're wanted. You say, Pastor, you don't know how I tied up I am. I know, but you're wanted. Pastor, you don't know what I've been struggling with. I don't, but I know this, you're wanted. You don't know my past. You don't know the divorce. You don't know the bankruptcy. You don't know the shame. You don't know the failure. My face was on the front page of the Cleveland Gazette. What is the name of the newspaper in this city anyway? My front my face was, a, people know my mess. People know my, so I don't care what people know about you. I'm telling you, if you ever get tied up in Jesus, if you ever find him and he finds you, he'll take somebody with a black heart, wash it in red blood make them whiter than snow look at your neighbor one more time and tell them neighbor God has need of you stop giving him excuses as to why he can't use you stop telling him about all that's messed up with you stop reminding him of your past he knows your past and every time the devil brings it up God reminds you that as far as the east is from the west that's how far he removed me from my transgression I want you to tell one more person you still have a future. God has need of you. It's time to get active in the church. It's time to be everything God called you to be. If you can teach, you need to start teaching. If you can usher, you need to start ushering. If you can help, you need to start helping. Whatever you've been gifted to do, I came to tell you, God is about to loose you and let you go. Somebody slap three people near you and tell them he needs you. He's been waiting on you. He wants you. You've got to quit giving him excuses and say, yes, Lord. Here I am. Here I am. Use me in whatever way you want to use me. Do whatever you want to do in my life. Whatever you do, don't leave me bound and tied up. I'm, I want to be free. Anybody in here want to be loosed? Stand with me, stand with me, stand with me. The Bible says 
The Bible says that he loosed the coat and he took the coat to Jesus. And when he got to Jesus, they put clothes on the coat. And Jesus sat on that donkey. I am told that when he sat, that when someone sits on a donkey, the donkey, if it loves and knows that person that sat on it, it will drop its head and bend its ears. Because if you're really going to be used by God, you've got to be willing not to be seen. The cult is not the main character. It's the king. I need somebody to help me. Look at your neighbor. Say, neighbor, God's going to loose you. And God's going to lead you. But whenever Jesus sits on your life, you just need to drop your head and let everybody see the king. Oh, I need some help right here. I don't want to be seen. And I'm not trying to be known. But if I can decrease, he will increase. Anybody want God to increase in your life? Let's, let's do this this morning. I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor Kevin, I'm tied up. But I want to get loose today. I want to be loosed and led and used by the king for whatever purpose he has in my life. I don't want to sit and miss a season. I don't want to lose out on what God has for me. I want God to loose my life and use me for his glory. If I'm talking to you and preaching to you and you need to get loosed, I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how long you've been saved. If you want to get loosed into your purpose and divine destiny, lift your hand right now. Lift your hand. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. If your hand is up, I'm going to do something we don't do every Sunday, but if your hand is up or it should be, I want you to come get with me in the altar right now, everybody. There are hands up all over this room. I don't want to miss my seat. You say, Pastor, I've never come to an altar call. Today's the day. It's serious business. I'm going to ask Pastor Chris and Crystal to come and get ready to help me pray but there's some people right now I need everybody baptized in the Holy Ghost to lift your hands and start praying right now come on the Spirit of God is about to break some chains today there's some people in here that have been struggling with condemnation and you've been struggling with shame and the devil's been telling you you'll never be used because of what you did I came today to tell you God's about to loose you I need some people to pray all over the building right now I need some people to begin to pray for God to loose God began in fact I want to tell some seasoned saints the enemy's been telling you you're your prime and God can't use you because you're too old I came to tell you the devil is a liar God is about to use you in ways you've never been used before somebody begin to lift your voice again and pray come on God's about to loose people in this altar we're about to have a whole a whole army of coats that get loose today and become everything God has called them to be I want you to pray for these people pastor Chris and Crystal God's about to touch lives come on let's begin to believe God for freedom all over this house right now. Friend, I believe God is a miracle working God and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus believing that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team wanna pray for you. We wanna make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. The best days of your life are still ahead of you and we're praying for you today. God bless and I look forward to seeing you next week right here.